You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Good to see you guys. Missed y'all last week. Alec did a great job. Heather and I were on vacation in Colorado. Um, Don't hate me because the weather was perfect. Uh, I'm I'm not kidding. It feels like Colorado is just that close to heaven because I'm I'm telling you, man, it's, you wake up in the morning, it's upper 50s in the summertime. I'm like, my body doesn't even know how to handle this. So yeah, don't don't hate, just love. Um, But we were on vacation. It was awesome. I got to hike a lot, and uh, last year when we went, 2017, we've, we've gone three times, and we stay at the YMCA camp. That's where our student ministry did their camp, and so I'm walking around going, our students got to experience camp here. Now, I wasn't involved in all that craziness. We kind of hung out at the cabin. We were in the quiet section of the park, but um, we would go hiking every day. Last year, tried to do a trail and ended up uh, failing on the trail. Uh, it was called Sky Pond. And it's about a nine and a half mile round trip hike. So last year, the way it rolls was like this. We'd save this because this is a big hike. Sky Pond is, is a pond. It's, it's like a little lake at the base of the glacier that feeds a waterfall that flows all the way into Estes Park. And I, we wanted to see this thing. And I'm like, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. Now, to give you an indication of just let's do it, um, the trailhead is at 90, close to 9,500 feet in elevation. And you're going to climb about 4.7 miles one way at about 2,000 feet of elevation gain. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but to a Texas flatlander fat boy, um, <laughs> about 30 yards into the trail, I'm going, <gasps> dear Jesus, dear Jesus, if I meet you today, let me see this pond. Um, so, now, I've done a lot of cardio and prep for this. So last year, we get... We get hiking, um, the last little bit before you get to the waterfall. So you're, you're hiking, it's up, it's up, it's up, and I mean up. No escalator, no elevator. I mean big steps. You're huffing, you're puffing. You get to one section and you look up, and there's a rock face waterfall you got to climb up. Now, last year they had more rain than normal, so there was a lot more water coming over this waterfall. And, and it, this isn't like handrails at the Botanic Gardens or the Fort Worth Water Gardens. I mean, you slip, you die, okay? It's, it's, that, it's that serious, okay? And so I'm a little freaked out. I don't like heights, but I wanted to see the view from up top. And so I start climbing up. I get halfway up. And now one of the things they will tell you in Colorado is that when you hike, you need to be below the tree line before the afternoon. We were so high, you actually get, a, get to where there's no trees around you, and you are the tallest thing around. And in the afternoon, they have these afternoon thunderstorms that roll in, and lightning strikes are very common on the mountain. I don't want to tempt God like that, okay? I mean, I know that I'm not going to get struck unless God says it's okay. It's got to be in his plan. I get that, but I don't want to put him to the test, right? Jesus said, do not put your, the Lord your God to the test. So I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be the tallest guy holding a metal walking stick going, hey, I'm on top, you know, so... Anyway, so I'm climbing this rock face waterfall, and all of a sudden, I start feeling this stinging sensation all over my body. I look around, and it's hailing, and it's, it's about marble-sized hail, and I'm like, okay, God, I get it. I get it. I'm not going to the top. So we climbed back down, and we made it. We made a beeline to the tree line because we heard thunder rolling, and it was, I mean, we, we hiked the rest of the way back in thunder. And, and I, I was just all year, 
from 2017 to 2018, all I'm thinking about about our Colorado trip is I want to see the pond at the top. I want to get to the top of that. I didn't make it. I didn't make it. Isn't it amazing how we tend to carry failure with us? I mean, we just hang on to it, and it just kind of works in our mind. We're like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And so all year, it's just jacking with me. Well, this year, I got to tell you, we started out on that hike, and I think it was a little harder this year because I know what's coming. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah, this part of the trail's coming. I was like, oh. And I was thinking, I've almost made it before. We get there, and we get to the waterfall. We look at the waterfall, and I'm thinking, what if it starts lightning? What if it starts hailing again when I get halfway up? I mean, I'm a year older. I might not be as fast this year. <laughs> what hap- and then, then what happens if I get to the top and it starts storming when I get to the top and I got to try to figure out how to climb down this in a storm? All these things weigh in in my mind. All these things. I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. Halfway up, I realized how hard it was. But I got to tell you, I made it this year. And I had lunch. Hey, <laughs> I, I was going to show you a picture, but it just doesn't do it justice. It really doesn't. I mean, the, the photo doesn't. I mean, I'm, we're having lunch at the base of Sky Pond, and what you see is this beautiful, reflective, giant pond, and then right up above it is still the snow in August, and then the top of a mountain. And I just remember just, just being in awe. But I started thinking, but I didn't do it last year. And it's amazing how we just, even at the height of a success, we still let a failure rob us of that moment. I mean, every one of us have fears of failures. It's, there's a real phobia called a tickophobia. It's the fear of failure. Most of us carry a fear of failure because of some incident in our past that somewhere in our past we failed and we let that create fear and we carry, we carry that. And, and here's, the, here's the problem and the challenge about failure. We're all going to face it. We're all gonna face failure. It happens. But, but the hard part is when it starts to get in and create this identity of failure in us where we, if a failure just doesn't become an event that happened. We let it become something we are. Or we let it begin to isolate us and think, I'm the only one that's ever failed. I'm the only one that's ever happened to. I mean, the, the creek, we, we, got a, we got a crazy lot of people here at the creek. We've all been through stuff. You are not the only one that's failed. I know I'm not the only one that's failed. You're not alone. When we, when we sit down in ministry moments, one thing that we try to, try to help someone going through a situation understand is you're not the only one this has ever happened to. You're not the only one that's walked through divorce. You're not the only one that's walked through your kids not speaking to you. You're not the only one this has happened to. And you won't be the only one this ever happens to. And fear begins to work in and really create issues with us. But one thing that I love about the Word of God, I love about the Bible, is the Bible makes it very clear that even after failures, we can have a restart. If you got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 26. If you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back cabinets. And um, if you don't own one, we want you to take that. That's our gift for you. But um, uh, let me set this up because I'm going to tell you a story about a man named Peter. But you may or may not be familiar with Scripture. We have a spectrum of people at the creek here um, where you might have grown up in church. We've got people who are seminary trained. Please don't critique the pastor. 
I'm not that good. Um, and we've got people who have no exposure to the Bible at all. We, we ran a class a couple weeks ago that was just intro to the Bible. Like, this is the Bible. There's a, there's a page called the Table of Contents. It's broken down in Old Testament, New Testament. When you open up and you see a big number, that's the chapter, the little numbers, the verse. And the class was full because there's such a hunger for people to say, I want to know what the Word of God is teaching me. But if you're new to Scripture, Simon, Matthew, Matthew's the book we're going to be in. It's in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 26. There's a man named Peter, Simon Peter, that, that is a disciple of Jesus, an apostle of Jesus, Jesus shows up and he calls him. He was a fisherman, unfiltered dude. I mean, you, you ever met those people that when it crosses their mind, there's no filter, it just comes out? <laughs> yeah, those are interesting people. Peter was one of those guys. I mean, if it hit his mind, man, it came out. I mean, right, wrong, or indifferent. And Peter is called by Jesus to follow him. And there's a moment that, that is, is key before we get into this passage. It's, it's in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus is talking with his 12 disciples. And, and there's a lot of rumors about Jesus. And Jesus asked them, he goes, who do the people say I am? Jesus is like, who, who do the people say I am? And some, they answer, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, you're a prophet. And then Jesus gets it in their space. He like locks on with them. He goes, who do you say I am? And Peter speaks up first, and he says, you're Jesus Christ, you're the Son of God, you're the Savior of the world. And Jesus is excited, he looks at Peter, he said, this wasn't revealed to you by anybody but my Father in heaven. What's happened is Jesus said, who do you say I am? And Peter, this unfiltered, hothead, foul-mouthed fisherman, says, you're the Christ. And Jesus makes a declaration to Peter in verse 18. He says, I tell you that you're Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What an incredible investment that Jesus, don't miss what Jesus is doing in the life of Peter. He's calling him out and saying, I'm giving you identity. I'm speaking your name to you. You declared who I am. I'm giving you your name. And I'm telling you, there's a purpose that I have for your life, that you're going to be involved with this, Peter, because on this rock, right now, I'm building my church. And nothing can stop it, nothing. Now, it's important to understand that confidence that Jesus is pouring into Peter when you get to Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew chapter 26, remember a couple weeks ago, the first week of our restart series, we talked about communion. We taught through this communion passage. And right after it, they, they sung a hymn. So after they had the first supper, the Lord's Supper, they sang a hymn together and then they went out to Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to his disciples, this is verse 30, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So what Jesus is saying is we've experienced all this great stuff, but, but it, there's, there's stuff that's getting ready to happen. And, and you're gonna scatter. You're gonna fall away on my account. You're gonna walk away from what you've declared, from what you've professed. And Peter speaks up, says, Though they all fall away because you all never fall away. What he's saying is like, even if these fools fail, I'm not failing. I got you, Jesus. I got you. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, tonight you're gonna, before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, Jesus, that is not gonna happen. Even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I will not fail you. 
And then you go over to verse 69 of that same chapter. This is after Jesus is arrested. This is the same night. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean, but he denied it before them all saying, I don't know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth and again he denied it with an oath. That's what I'm saying, I swear I don't know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them for your accent betrays you. They're like, we know, we know it's you. And then Peter began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I don't know the man. That's like saying, I swear on my, my soul, I don't know this man. And he's, beginning, he's cursing and he, I mean, it's, I don't know, leave me alone. I don't know him. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered what Jesus said before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Isn't it amazing how failure affects us? It affects us emotionally, it affects us spiritually, it even affects us physically. I mean, in that moment, everything, I mean, Peter's weeping because the reality of what happened. I mean, look at, look at I mean, just skip the rock through what we, what we just did that you've got Jesus that's standing in front of Peter going, you're Peter, and on this rock, I'm gonna build my church. You're included in my purpose. You have identity. You have privilege. You have a responsibility in the kingdom, and I'm gonna work in you, Peter. I'm gonna work through you, Peter, and we're gonna do this thing together, and then you've got Peter going, I just denied everything that's ever been done, and he begins to weep. I, I, I know what this feels like. I mean, we've experienced failure and it affects us emotionally. It's amazing that when that, that happens, how we close everything down in our world. It's, it's like we feel our future dripping down the drain. I remember in high school, high school wasn't my favorite years. And so I had a pretty sweet gig my senior year. The first semester, I had to be on campus for three classes. And then I got to go into this work-study co-op program. So I left high school, and I went, and I worked. And I, I, I liked that. The second semester, I tried to sweeten the deal. And I thought, instead of taking history at high school, I'm going to take it as a dual credit. At, it was, it's TCC now, but it used to be called TCJC. Come on, any of y'all remember Taco Jocko? Man, you remember. I was there eight years, baby. Hey, I'm being vulnerable and sharing my failures. Don't judge me. Eight years, Taco Jocko. I should be a doctor of something. That first semester, TCJC, I decided I'm going to do a dual credit class, history. And I didn't like going to class, so I found the sweetest gig I could. It was before the internet. They had these courses called ITV courses. It's where twice a week they would give you a program, and at this time your show would air and you would have to watch the TV program and follow along in the book. Well, I figured out how to program the VCR, so I've got the best of all. I was like, this is sweet. Because in high school, I could make A's and B's without cracking the book. My junior year of high school, at the end of the school year, I had to go to the counselor's office to get the locker combination because I put books in it the first day of school and I never went back. And I had to turn them in or pay for them, so I had to go get my combination. I just used everybody else's book. I didn't want to carry them around. So I'm like, this is, the, this is a sweet gig. All I got to do is watch a TV show twice a week. Done. So I watch it. 
Didn't crack the book. Walked into the testing center the first night. And man, this is one of those memories that stuck in my mind. It was raining. I walk in, got out my little Scantron. Remember the Scantrons, you know? <laughs> so I, I do the Scantron. I walk up, to the, walk up to the lady at the counter. I hand it to her with all the confidence we're like, I've watched every one of those shows. She runs it through, goes, <laughs> now that's not the machine jamming. If you've ever seen a Scantron get graded, every time it goes, that's one wrong, okay? She's smiling and hands it back to me like your world's just getting ready to get crushed, young man. I look at it, 52 out of 100 correct. Weight just crushing down. I remember walking out to my truck and sitting in my truck and going, oh my God, what is going to happen to me? I mean, I just failed this test. I'm not going to graduate high school. I mean, I could float through high school, make A's and B's without even studying. Now I'm not even going to walk. I'm not going to graduate. What's going to happen to my future? I mean, I, just everything, that, that weight. And I remember sitting there just crying in my truck going, I've just screwed everything up. My whole life is done now. And so I go home and trying to figure stuff out and had to go into a crash course of studying but I carried that. And I, I got to say, I, I did pass. I made a D in the course. <laughs> D's get degrees, right, baby? <laughs> Here's the good news. When it transferred into high school, they gave you one letter grade up. So a C. <laughs> Praise Jesus. But that's just one failure. I mean, I could fast forward into my career. Big interview. I got to pass this interview or I don't get the job. I don't get the promotion. And I didn't pass the interview. I mean, every one of us have failures. We're going to face failures. The difference is how we respond. Every one of us are in the same boat that we will face failures, but how we respond. I had to learn how to study. I had to gain some experience in my job so I could... Do better on an interview the next time. It's all of these things. It's it's where are we learning from our failures? Peter weeps bitterly and then then he goes out. We we pick him up again in John chapter 21. Just flip a couple books over to John chapter 21. And and this is where we see Peter. This is after Jesus has been crucified and he's been resurrected. So he's crucified on a Friday, the night that Jesus betrayed him. And then on Sunday morning, he walks victoriously out of the tomb, fully resurrected, fully defeating the power of hell, sin, and death. Verse 3 of chapter 21 of John says this, Simon Peter said to the disciples, I'm going fishing. this This is a loaded statement. Because Peter was fishing when Jesus found him. He went back to what he felt like he could do. Not the whole identity of you are Peter and on this rock I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. He goes back to what he feels like he could do. And the other disciples like, well, we'll go with you. They got in the boat and that night they caught nothing. In verse four, Jesus shows up. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus and Jesus said, hey, children, have you caught any fish? And they said, nope. And he said, cast the net out on the right side of the boat and you will find some. 
That's not a new statement Jesus is making. They've heard this before. When Jesus called them to follow him, you caught any fish? Master, we fished all night. We caught nothing. He goes, throw the nets out in the deep. Didn't you hear me, Jesus? We fished all night. We didn't catch anything. But because you say so, we'll do it. And they catch such a great catch that the, the nets are beginning to break. And so, so they cast it out. They heard this man on the shore. They didn't know it was Jesus. And they, they cast it out and they weren't able to haul it all in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's Jesus, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. I don't think this is I throwing myself into the sea like a Jonah thing, like I'm running from God. I think, I think of that moment in Forrest Gump. Y'all know Forrest Gump? Remember Forrest when he's sitting on the Jenny 2? And he gets to call, Forrest, your mama's sick. He doesn't turn the boat around. He doesn't start rowing. What does he do? He's, he jumps and he swims. That's what I picture Peter doing in this moment. When he realizes that's Jesus and his failure in the light of Jesus, like Jesus isn't walking away from me. He's back. He's here. I mean, the love of Jesus that he had, I mean, he just abandons it. He just throws it to the side. He's like, I'm going after Jesus. Then the other disciples rode to the shore like, he's crazy. Well, we've known that. So they catch over 150 fish. They have breakfast and after breakfast, this is what happens with Peter and Jesus. Verse 15 says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I don't think he was pointing to the other disciples. I think he's pointing to the fish. You failed, Peter, and you went back to what you felt you knew you could do. Do you love me more than these fish? Peter says, you, you know, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. He said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I, I, we don't have a connection and I don't think we can draw a connection that did Jesus ask him, do you love me? For one of every times he denied him. I think what Jesus is really trying to do is make a point. Just get to the heart of Peter. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then tend my flock. See, see, Jesus like, if you love me more than these fish, if you love me more than any of this, then do what I've called you to do. It ain't about fish, Peter. It's about the flock. It's about sheep. Do what I've called you to do. Remember, I looked at you in the eye, Peter. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. What is my church? It is the flock. It is the lambs, it is the sheep. And Peter, I'm asking you to be a part of this church. The failure wasn't a surprise to Jesus. Before the failure happened, Jesus is squaring Peter in the face and going, you're Peter. And you're a part of my purpose and you're a part of my plan. And he even tells them before the failure, you're gonna fail, but don't worry. When I'm raised up, I'm bringing it all back. I'm bringing it all back. 
Peter's grieved in this moment because he realizes I failed, but, but then there's hope because the grace of God is bigger than any failure we'll ever face. You thought that failure was the end of your life. And Jesus tells him, he said, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me, follow me. Peter got a restart after his failure. If you and I are going to experience a restart after our failure, we've got to take some cues from this, from the grace and the goodness of God and from where Peter found himself and then finds himself at the feet of Jesus in worship and in that restart. And we all got a past, but we got to deal with our past. Maybe I should ask you, how do you deal with your past? Are, are you one that just tries to, tries to repress it and never think about it, but yet it comes up in some ways and it just starts to cause turmoil when it comes up? Are you somebody that, that, that tries to relive it? Maybe after a failure, you try to go back to, to some point that you thought you were successful. I mean, I see it often that, that when a marriage is failing, one, one person in the marriage will try to revert back to thinking, well, I was successful as a single person, so I'm gonna go back and act like that. I was successful those days in my life, so I'm gonna go back into that mode. We try to go back into where we feel we had some success. The interesting thing about Peter is when we meet him as a fisherman, he's not even successful then. He fished all night, caught nothing. Jesus had to help him. But we know that because Peter was a fisherman, he had experienced other failures. He said, well, there's always tonight to fish. But somehow failures tend to lock in in our past. And they create some turmoil. And, and, and I hear people say, you know, time will heal all wounds. Can I ask a question in response to that? How much time does it take? Because I've got stuff in my past how much time does it take? It still hurts. Well, it's gonna, it, it, it'll scar over. Uh, that, 20 years old, there's still fresh wounds in my life. How much time? How do I deal with it with time? Well, you just have to forgive yourself. How? How do I forgive myself? I know we joke about that. We want mercy for us and justice for everybody else but I don't have a capacity of mercy for myself to fully forgive all my failures. I can only forgive my failures when I realize that I am forgiven. The best way to deal with our past is to lay it at the feet of Jesus. He's the only one that can cover it. He's the only one with the grace and mercy to forgive us. But Peter went out, he wept, he dealt with the emotional strain, he dealt with everything. He went back to what he felt he could do, but it was only when he got to the feet of Jesus could he experience that restart and that covering of his past. Only from an identity of forgiven in Christ can I look at my past failures and say they are forgiven. And then there's a release that I can feel. I've got to see my past the way God sees it. Jesus paid a sacrifice for my sin and my failure. 
In Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about him being the once and for all sacrifice, that he, he bore the weight of the sin of the world. He only had to do it once. He doesn't have to do it again. And here's how he looks at my past. He says, I will remember it no more. When Jesus paid the price on the cross, he paid the price for all of our pasts, even before we had yet drawn a breath. Isn't that amazing when you think about the grace of God in that context? I'm forgiving a past that hasn't even happened yet. Peter, you are Peter. On this rock, I'll build my church. I've got my purpose and plan. Even when the failure is coming, I've still covered it. I'm providing a way to cover it before it even happens. And we deal with that past. And when we deal with that past, that keeps us from being stuck in the present. We don't stay stuck in the present. It is amazing to me how that event becomes an identity. How that failure becomes a name tag that I feel like I have to wear. You don't have to wear it. Peter didn't have to wear a name tag that said, I'm a, I'm a denying failure of Christ. You don't have to wear a name tag of divorced, of addict, of broken, of unemployed. Whatever, whatever label you're allowing that failure to place on your life, that is not your identity. When Jesus calls us from death to life and squares us in the face, he says, I tell you that you are my child. And I'm building my church. I have a purpose for you. And there is no failure that will thwart the purposes that I have for you. Some of y'all just need Jesus to grab you by the cheeks like this and say, your name is. Ask Jesus. Jesus, tell me what my name is. I was talking to one man and he struggled with identity. And he said, I got to the point, I said, Jesus, what is my name? And he said, Victor. I tell you that you are a victor and on this rock I'm building my church and you have a purpose and a hope and a future and a responsibility in the mission and the work of Jesus. Don't let your present keep you stuck. Most of us stay stuck in the present because we live in this fear of the future, that atikophobia. We're worried about what might happen or what could happen. Climbing up that waterfall, I thought it could start raining any minute. I see clouds. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And last year it was hail. This year it could be lightning. Maybe I shouldn't keep climbing. Maybe I should just say, hey, I'll just go home and I'll Google a picture. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't go for that job because I'm tired of being told no so I'm just not even gonna put anything in. Maybe I'm not gonna, I'm just not gonna go, just try to find some counseling for our marriage because I, I, it's never worked in the past. And you let that fear, it's amazing how fear will lead us to compromise, especially in relationships. Well, he might not be the right man, but I'm going to settle because I'm, a, I don't, I'm afraid of what I might be able to experience. 
I'm going to settle my job because I'm afraid of what might happen if I try to go for what I really feel God calling me to do. And Jesus wants us to live free of that fear. Peter knew failure. What was the future that Peter experienced? It wasn't just, hey, I just got a restoration from Jesus. I good, I got a restart, we're good. All right, what's next, Jesus? There was a future and a plan for Peter. Remember, on this rock I'll build my church. You fast forward to the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, Jesus ascends into heaven. He said, y'all go to Jerusalem and wait. The Holy Spirit's coming. And when he comes, you're gonna know it. You fast forward to Acts chapter two. You've got a hot-headed, foul-mouthed fisherman who failed and got a restart with Jesus, steps out in the boldness filled with the Holy Spirit and preaches the gospel like it's never been preached before. Thousands of people here, 3,000 men get saved that day. A failure just fulfilled his purpose. Many theologians and scholars believe that day in Acts chapter two was the birth of the local church. How many of you are missing a future because you're letting fear paralyze you? Well, let me ask you to do something. If you close your eyes for a minute, what is your biggest failure? Maybe you don't think, maybe you've been thinking about it since I even rolled out here and said we're going to be teaching about a restart after failures, but, but think about that. What is your biggest failure? Have you let that become your identity? Is that the name tag you came in here with? I want to ask you something. This is where Jesus is going to kind of square off with you eye to eye. I want you to be honest. Do you believe Jesus is bigger than that failure? Do you believe his grace is bigger? If so, today's the day you need to restart. Maybe he's asking, do you love me more than you love this identity? You may not love the failure, but you found comfort in the identity. Do you love me more than that? And today, all you gotta do is just say, Jesus, I love you more than anything. I'm laying my failures at your feet and I'm asking you to speak your identity. Give me the name that you call me. And use me in that purpose that you paid for. Forgive my failures, forgive my mistakes, forgive my past. Free me in this present to walk into the future hope and glory that you have, Jesus. If that's your heart's prayer, your heart's cry, then today's a restart. Today, everything changed. I, I want you to do something. At the end of this service, our ministry team's gonna be at the front. I want you to come and just say, hey, I gotta restart today. What do I do? And they will walk with you. They will talk with you. They will help you. There ain't no judgment here because we all have failure. But the other common thing we have is we've known and learned how to lay at the feet of Jesus to walk forward. 
And if, if, even if you don't want to talk to our ministry team, if you just note it on that Connect card that I made a restart today just so we can help you, so we can walk with you as family. Today's a new day. Father, we love you and we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the grace that is bigger than anything that we ever face. It's bigger than any failure that we've carried. I pray, Father, that we leave today with a new identity, a new focus, a restoration and purpose and a restart after the failures that we've allowed to haunt us for so long. Jesus, we humble ourselves to you. We tell you that we love you. We love you. We love you. Free us to follow you so that our lives are lived for your glory and the fulfillment of your great purpose in us and through us. It's for your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at